Hello and welcome to Adopter Stories by Adoption Now. The latest national figures show that so far in 2023, one in five adoptions in England were to same-sex couples. Now while this is a fantastic stat, we realise that not everyone in the LGBTQ community feel that they'll be supported or even welcomed in the same way as heterosexual couples when they start the adoption process. Now at Adoption Now, this couldn't be further from the truth. We thought it was high time to highlight the support and inclusivity we offer to all of our adopters, no matter their sexuality or whether they're in a relationship or single. We understand that picking up the phone to call us or filling in the contact form on our website is such a huge step to take. And we want you to know that you'll be supported right from the very start. Our guests on this episode are Emma and Joe and Rhiannon. Emma and Joe are a young LGBTQ couple who have adopted two children. And Rhiannon, along with her partner, has adopted via the Fostering for Adoption route. You'll find out about their adoption story, the support that they felt throughout the adoption process, and also some of their most memorable moments so far. Now, just to note, this was a roundtable interview, so we also hear from our special guest, Emma and Joe's youngest adopted child, who came on to the recording and played in the background supervised of course but you'll also hear that he occasionally joins in the conversation so without further ado we started the interview right at the beginning with a quick look at how they came to adopt adoption was always our first idea of our route for a family and um, we're a same-sex couple and we'd been together 10 years at the time um and in covid we just had a conversation one night why haven't we done anything and there was absolutely no reason you know, when is the right time? Well, it's now. So we sent our sort of first inquiry off in the October and our first little one came home in May. So it was very quick. Um, yeah, we'd been together about... No, we had been together nine years. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had just been to visit Joe's family in uh, Australia and um, spent a lot of time with her niece and nephews mm-hmm. and thought, yeah, now, feel, now feels like the right time. So we came back, um, put in our first inquiry in the April. We got approved in the October and our first came home in the February, following February. So it took 10 months from first inquiry. So if we just take it right back to start to where you actually think about adoption and what was going on there, what was the actual, I say, probably about word, like, what's the, what was the trigger that made you want to just like, right, I'm going to do it, I'm going to, going to find the adoption agency and then just contact? Well, I think um, for us, adoption had always been our first call as well. Um, we both have people in our immediate families and that that had been adopted. So it was something that we had a bit of experience with. Mm. And um like Emma had said, we'd, we'd spent a lot of time with our niece and nephew and we came back and we went, do you know what? I think we're ready to start our family. So we did the um, an information evening with Adoption Now. We'd also did one with like an IVF clinic just to like double check that we definitely felt really confident about adoption being our first choice. And we basically came away from that information evening and went, yeah, absolutely. We're just fully committed and ready to go. Mm-hmm. I've got... Um two cousins who were adopted so they're obviously slightly older now because they're similar age to me but um we've always had conversations with them about what I would do for a family and what me and my partner would do for a family 
Um, and it was just one evening in COVID where we'd probably had a drink. Um, <laughs> and it, you do, you just talk about life, don't you? And, and yeah. a, lot of, a lot of times you sort of sit back and go, well, well, when is the right time? And why isn't it the right time? Why is it the right time? Mm. Um, at the time, we had a niece. We now have a niece and a nephew. So there's two boys and then a girl and a boy. So it's absolutely chaos um, <laughs> when we get together. But yeah, we just, we've lots of friends had started having families and um, neither of us were really interested or had an overwhelming desire to be pregnant. Um, so adoption was always our sort of first route mm. and first choice. Was there any, any uh, hesitancy involved or did it cross your mind whether you could actually adopt or all that, you know, was there any worries about that? I don't think we really had a lot of sort of worries about whether we felt it was like the right thing for us to do. Mm. Um, especially like there's a lot of like information out there. There's a lot of same sex couples adopting in this area and like in the UK in general. Um, so I think it very much felt like we would find a bit of a community with people mm. um, that also were in the same sort of position as us. So I don't think there was so much a hesitancy in terms of that, but I think we definitely had you know, concerns as to whether we'd, we'd get approved and, you know, we'd be good enough I, is probably the word I'd use um, mm. to become adoptive parents. What were those concerns, though? Um, when we were going through the approval process, um, obviously you go in depth about your life yeah. from, like, a child. And, um, and a few years ago I got diagnosed as autistic, so I thought that might be a barrier. Um, but all the basically had to happen was it, there was an, addi an additional session with our social worker mm. um, just to kind of chat through it and chat about how I am, what I'm like, you know, what kind of, say, non-neurotypical things I do are. Um, and, yeah, it's it's not been a barrier at all, to be honest. I think the, the conversations we had, I think the conversations we had with each other were more about what was the process? What mm. did we need to talk about? What did we need to have evidence of? And yeah. we were concerned we didn't have enough childcare experience. Um, obviously, like I said, we, we had a niece, but we did some volunteering and got involved with a few different things to try and increase that a little bit. And it was more of a worry about how long the process would take and how old we were. Okay. Um, we're sort of older than a typical parent, really. Um, and I just... That was just a, if it took a long time to do the process, then we would be even older, but it, yeah. it, it wasn't long. So actually it's worked out perfectly. Um, we've got a, a couple of sort of health needs that we discussed with the social worker and there was no issues with any of them. And I think once we sort of realised being open and transparent actually calmed us and reassured yeah. us, we didn't need to worry about anything. It was more that ask the question in the first place and, and go mm. from there rather than it being a complete locker. Yeah. Okay, so... Did you feel that being part of the LGBTQ plus community brings its own particular set of challenges to adoption or parenthood in general? Yes and no. Yeah, I was <laughs> a little bit. Um, I think the biggest thing... So in, we, we talked about this actually quite a bit and I think in some respects... Um, it makes some of the adoption stuff easier for us because we're already a family that's considered like a little bit different. Um, 
So we don't get as many questions or we don't necessarily get the assumptions that we failed fertility and that's why we, we've adopted as like a last resort. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's been a real benefit for us for not having to like necessarily explain how our family came about as much in, in some respects. Um, but also we definitely get when we're out and about, um, they assume that, that our kids are Emma's and I'm just somebody else that's around right. um, in spite of the fact that I'm clearly parenting them. Yeah. So we, we do get that kind of stuff a little bit. Yeah, especially with our eldest. Um, <clears throat> he very much looks like me yeah. somehow. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, you look so alike. I'm like, okay, yeah, he's not biologically mine though. Yeah. And then there's always a little bit of an awkward pause. Um, but yeah. Yeah, people just assume we're we're friends and Joel's come along for the ride, really. We're very close. (laughs) (laughs) We've had similar, it's just assumptions and people aren't necessarily being nasty with it. Like I've been in Tesco, oh, is his dad at work? I can tell he was definitely not at work. (laughs) Um, You know, oh, he's he's tall, Is, is that after his dad? Well, biologically, yes, but, you know, this is not his dad, this is my partner, this is, you know, mummy too and other parent. And, yeah, assumption's not necessarily nasty, um, but people, it tends to be the older generation, they still expect the whole 2.4 children, Mm. and that is not what this world looks like anymore. It's better than that. I think in some respects we've actually had, like, less sort of pushback or issues than we thought we might get. Um, So apart from that sort of similar thing to what you were saying, just, like, people in public a little bit we've not really had any issues and it's not actually been a major like I don't know it's it's not really been a huge factor that we are a same-sex family and we Mm. we do have adopted kids we're just like the other families at nursery and Mm -hmm. just like the other families at the park Mm. yeah with things like nursery and healthcare professionals we've sort of explained it once and then that's it they they just get it there's no they don't forget and next time you go you sort of say everything again we've had a lot of positive like acceptance really mm. not that I ever felt unaccepted that that sounds bad but just that all right yep come on let's carry on and just yeah. why are you almost telling me like <laughs> this isn't something you need to label yeah, yeah. And, yeah so it's, it's actually been quite nice to and people ask questions and I like that I like yeah. that people want to know about our family not just oh we can't possibly talk about that <laughs> yeah as if like it's like it's not to be brought up not to be mentioned kind yeah. Of thing. yeah yeah no I like that people will ask okay so Obviously, you've both experienced adopters now, um, your mentors, you've been part of our media days. So what's been some of your most memorable moments of your adoption story? Right back at the beginning, when we first ever met our youngest, he's, he is tall and he was in this incubator, six weeks premature. He must have been about 10 foot tall. He was just this long, <laughs> stretched out thing. Um, he was a little bit poorly, brought him home in his car seat um, and we just sort of looked at each other in the lounge and went, what do we do now? <laughs> and, it, and it was that sort of realisation that actually we're now responsible for this tiny little person. And seeing him develop and take steps and laugh and giggle um, and, pl- and respond to you, you, mm. you don't realise like how, how good a feeling that is yeah. to make a little one laugh and to, to have a routine and they recognise things. We have milk at night before bed and he knows he has to sit on the mat in his bedroom because I can't cope with milk being spilt on the carpet. At least <laughs> I can wash the mat. Can't mess. Um, and we go upstairs now and, and they both of them, they climb upstairs and they both just go and sit straight on the mat. Like they just know and it's just that little thing that's very unique. It's not even that special, but it's unique to us. It's your family. And it's unique it? to our house, yeah. yeah. 
yeah. It is nice when you kind of develop a routine with your kids and they kind of pick up on it and you pick up on what they're feeling, but they also pick up on what you're feeling mm. as well. Say, um, say if one of us is just having like a particularly bad day, like Jo wasn't feeling well the other day and our eldest um, came over and gave her a massive bunny and a plastic bag just to try and make her feel better, <laughs> which was quite sweet. Um We've also kind of, we've created a little community around ourselves of other adopters as well. So um, we're quite close with two other couples from our prep training, both of who, both who have now got uh, children and kind of all of us becoming parents at a similar time mm. and going through the same teething bits has been quite nice having a someone who literally gets it all completely understands it all yeah. so that's been really nice and I forgot the question <laughs> <laughs> it was just about what your most memorable moments of your adoption story so far yeah ditto what these guys have said <laughs> I think as well our um so when our youngest came home um and it's just been seeing that relationship develop between the two kids has been really really lovely as well mm. um and I think that's something that they've been able to have because of adoption as well. And yeah. I don't know that they would have had that otherwise. So that's been really lovely for them to be able to get to know each other properly. Hmm. Okay, so was there a particular moment where you actually felt that, you know, you, you transitioned from adopter to parent? See, ours was quite, because we did foster to adopt legally, we were foster carers for six months. Um, so the rules around that are we are foster carers. We weren't called mummy. We were called by our names. Um, Nana wasn't allowed to be Nana because that's, you know, you've got to protect the position that that child's yeah. in. Um, and just before placement order, we had a, a chat with a social worker um, to do some paperwork and she had some questions. One of the questions was, do you love him? And we were really drawn because fostering says, don't get too attached adoption says you need to be attached so we were ah how do we answer this is it a test and we were really honest we said yeah we do like we really yeah. love him um and then when we spoke to each other after like that was the first time we said it out loud we'd said things to each other but never to a professional never in a sort of public forum um and it was like we were, we were allowed to love him then um and then as as they've grown up and they both talk and shout they don't say it nicely. Mama, mama, mama. <laughs> that that's the realization that yes, I this person is one hundred percent dependent on us. Yeah. Um and it's a really nice thing. It's nice to be dependent on and it's nice to be needed, especially when you can usually meet the needs of a toddler if you can work out what they want. <laughs> <laughs> the demanding needs of a toddler. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um I think with me, um, in the first few weeks of our elders coming home, um he he got on well. He got basically intro germs, like new germs, he'd not been around yet. And um, he was quite poorly for a couple of days, just like high temperature and everything. And he just wanted to just be held and looked after and wanted to lie on me and just, he just needed me. Um, and having someone be that dependent on you, um, as much as it really sucked seeing seeing him unwell, it was nice to kind of have that bond with him and mm. just 
take care of him just while he stopped moving for five minutes. So <laughs> you just appreciate that. Yeah, moment. just appreciated the quiet time. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, that was nice in a really bizarre way. I think as well, like for me, so um, I think similar to what you were saying, where you kind of to start with, you're like trying to hold back a little bit because you you know you're waiting. So we we didn't do foster to adopt, but you're waiting for panel to happen and you're waiting for that approval before you're trying to get like too attached to 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 the child. Mm. Um, so you're kind of like trying to reserve yourself a little bit, and then you just suddenly they're there, and you're like, whoa, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I felt like I could see Emma being a parent very clearly very early on um and especially just the way that the the, the kids would like interact with them and I think for me in, in a weird way like I felt like I was but it was more like when I went back to work and I came you know home after the first day and our eldest was just so happy to see me and I got like the biggest hugs and the biggest like oh I really missed you kind of mm-hmm. um you know, situation. And that was just so nice to see. Cause it was like, you, I just really felt like we did have a really good like bond and a really good connection. Um, so that, but also, you know, when you're cleaning up your kids sick for the first time off the floor, um, <laughs> and other bodily fluids, yeah. um, that really hit home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's your responsibility. Yeah. It is, yeah. Catching things that you didn't think you'd ever catch. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see any difference in your partners? Obviously, like you, you guys are here together as partners, but for, for both, did you see any difference in the parent side, you know, coming out now? Emma is the biggest softy. Um, and I, I know that, but not to the extent of what I can see that with our kids. So, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so, Emma, Emma thinks that they're the strict parent and everything, but like, they absolutely have you wrapped around their little finger. Um, and it's actually been, it's been so nice to see. And like the level of patience that, that you, you have for our boys is just really lovely. Um, Jo's always been quite laid back being an Aussie, but um, <laughs> she, she's just, it's nice seeing how kind of, how much freedom she lets the boys have to kind of explore um, develop their own interests you know it's it's just kind of nice she she just lets them be themselves uh, that's been nice whenever we've babysat for our niece I've always been the mum role my partner's always been the dad role so she's okay. fun at bedtime probably quite irresponsible with like how giddy we get when you're meant to be going to sleep <laughs> but then um, since the boys have arrived, she has done things that I never would have expected in a million years. She's been to messy play with them and took them to rhyme time at the library. And these are things that I thought I would always do. Yeah. So it's been really nice to see the change in her, really. She has sort of stepped up and learnt things and she's become a lot more hands-on. Obviously, our second arrived when our oldest wasn't even one. Right. Um, so <laughs> so um, she had to. She had to do nappies and milk and bottles and things yeah. that normally I just defaulted to doing because I took the most of the leave with our oldest. But it's uh, it's been really good, to, like I said, to see her learn and develop. And, and we've all grown together. We've learned things about all four of us that, mm. you know, 12 months ago we were in a completely different position. Yeah. So is there anything... What would you say to anyone thinking about adoption? You, what would you say? 
don't wait, just do it. And honestly, mm. there's there's difficult days. There's days when the kids are sick or when you're rushing to get from one appointment to get back to pick the other one up from nursery or whatever. And, or you don't know what's wrong with the toddler and you've given them... The other week, he had a meltdown because he wanted the pasta that I was trying to feed him. <laughs> Explain that. <laughs> but, 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 I wouldn't change it for the world. Like, I am a completely different person just in the last two and a half years. Like, it's flown by. And I've, we've all grown, we've all developed and just changed yeah. so much. And there's just so much love in our house. Like, it's really, it's a fun place to be. Whereas previously it was quite clean and tidy. It's not that anymore. <laughs> it's, it's good. There's toys everywhere. It's great. It sounds very much like our house, to be honest. <laughs> um, I, I still am, but was very much like the clean freak. Um, it's very much not like that now. Um, I've didn't think I could have so many crumbs on the floor of my house um, but f- as for adoption it's worth it um, even just to see like my elders run up to me after a day at nursery and like shouting my name uh, that's been that that just makes it worth it and the process really isn't five years long like people think just do it yeah I completely agree is there anything else you think we should, we've missed today or you feel like that we should talk about? I think the one, the one thing for us when we first ever sort of sent our inquiry in, we had no idea how many different routes to adoption there was. Mm. We always just assumed that there was just the traditional route. We didn't know about concurrency, we didn't know about early permanence. And at the start, we were sort of really shied away from early permanence because thought, oh, it's a bit risky, it's a bit scary. But actually, it was right for us. And we didn't know about it. Um, yeah. So just, you know, to be aware that there are loads of different options and not everything is as straightforward as, and traditional and old-fashioned as you think it might be. I think as well that there's um, loads of support. So we found loads of support from our agency itself, from other communities outside of our agency. Like there's, there's loads of adoption charities. And um, in particular for like the queer community, there's loads of charities, adoption charities for the queer community as well. So it's been, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot more support, I think, than you realise. And so you're not really kind of like doing it on your own like you probably think you are to start with. Yeah. Did you, did you feel supported? throughout the process yeah we had because we did foster to adopt at one point we had four social workers um and I could have phoned any of them at any point and asked questions our own friends and family didn't always know the full picture of what we were considering or what we were going through or which Mm. stage of the process we were having to answer loads of questions about at the time um but we found that everyone whether they knew the full circumstances or not were really helpful and supportive of us and sort of checked in on us quite a lot and then similar to others have said, we've had, we've kept in contact with our prep group um, and I helped do some of the training and have been put in touch with other people through that. And it's just been really useful. Um, like in our hometown, we've got a, a mums group, but we're all adoptive mums. Um, oh, okay. So sometimes we meet up and, and you don't have to explain that this is difficult because of this and it's not straightforward because of that. It just is. Yeah. And everybody's fine with that. Mm-hmm. I think ours is pretty similar. Like we have 
brilliant social workers as well and we built up a really good relationship with them over the sort of time that we've been working together um and that they're always like any questions we've got like no no question is a bad question Mm. um and they'll go find out the answer for us really quickly and they're, they're very reassuring like um anything anytime you have a bit of a wobble because that's normal you know it's parenting um in particular our social worker she's been incredible at just being like do you know what every single person i've worked with has had the exact same concerns or the exact same wobbles so we've had a really good support in terms of like the professional side and then yeah just in general like what you were saying with the people in the communities that you kind of come across and um we we've had to explain some of the adoption stuff to people like please don't do this and this at the moment you know they're very new to our family so yes you know yes they look like an older kid but they're not actually an older kid like take your time um but most of the time i think when we've advocated for our children and what they need people have been really respectful and kind of went and found out more information and learned themselves a little bit which has been really nice as well yeah, I think that's why I became a mentor because I found it really useful to just sound off with someone yeah. um, who wouldn't judge me and who had been there and, yeah. and got some of it, if not all of it. Did you use a mentor? Or... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Which was really helpful. <laughs> Have you found being a mentor? I've not fully started yet. Just, oh, okay. I've just finished my um, training in the last couple of weeks. Ah, okay. So um, there was apparently somebody lined up for me. Um, but it was it was be, to be able to say things like what happens at panel, because social workers sit on the other bit of the table than you. Mm. So when you're sat at panel, you almost feel like you're the one being quizzed. The social worker isn't necessarily being quizzed at the same time. Um, so their perception is probably very different to you as an adopter. Yeah. Um, so it was just useful to be able to ask things like that. And I feel this. Oh yeah, well I felt that as well. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's helpful. Was panel a worry? We, yeah, panel is, it's quite daunting. Um, We ended up, we did three panels in nine months, um, just with approvals and us being approved as adopters and everything. So we've done the whole circuit, apparently. We've done all of the (laughs) different locations, which is great. Um, But, you know, they tell you what it's going to be like, but nothing quite prepares you for walking into a room. And we had 12 people staring back at us who are the people that are going to decide whether we should be parents and then whether our kids were the right kids for us. Um, It's a funny thing, though, because at the same time, we shouldn't have worried anywhere near as much as we did. They're absolutely lovely. They're they're just wanting to make sure that everybody's going to be in the best position. And they're kind of, weirdly, they're on your side as well. Mm. Um, It might not feel like that when you first walk in and you go, "Ah!" but... um, (laughs) They they just want what's best for you and what's best for your family as well. I think when, when you go into panel, you know deep down what you want and your social worker has been through all of the paperwork and you know you've answered all the questions. You're just always thinking, what if I say something silly? Yeah. Or yeah, what, yeah. what if what if I, I said the wrong thing and that's what's gone in the paperwork? And, and that one thing. And that one thing, yeah. Guess, yeah, yeah. Like, Which, is it going to stop? Yeah, and, and you shouldn't worry because, mm. like we've said, the support is there. It, it is just, yeah. Well, thank you very much for today. Really appreciate you coming on to the podcast and sharing your stories. Anytime. Yeah, anytime. And thanks for the end. Oh, thanks for you here as well. <laughs> yes. Hi, buddy. You. Oh, we're, so, we're probably hungry again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Thank you so much to Emma, Joe and Rhiannon for coming on to the podcast. Now, if hearing their story has given you that little push to want to find out more about adoption and the adoption process, why not call our information line on 0204 336096. We're a member of our welcome team and we'll be too happy to help you start your adoption story. You can also visit our website, which has loads of resources, adoption stories, our entire podcast library, and where you can download our adoption information pack. And if you don't quite feel ready to call us yet, you can also fill out our contact form. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Take care, and I'll see you in the next episode of Adopter Stories. By Adoption Now.